0: Hey, we're going to read it this morning. So if you have a copy of God's Word, go ahead and turn to the book of Ephesians. That's where we're going to be. We're starting this. Uh, so if, you've, if you're brand new today, um, you've just missed one sermon. You can find them online if you'd like to. And uh, that's, that's where we're at, is, is in the book of Ephesians. And so uh, as you turn there, last week, as a recap, we talked about this greeting that Paul wrote. It's just the first two verses, one and two. Talked about this new name, this new you. How he gives us grace and peace. How uh, we are faithful saints in Christ Jesus. And I hope that that was a blessing to you, like it was to me, to study it. Uh, there's so much more to it than that. So hopefully you're you're reading God on your own and, and making your own notes. That we were talking about. Uh, what a blessing it is. And and so today, as we talk about scripture t- this morning in Ephesians, uh, I, I sent out a text and I sent out a Facebook post. And so if you saw either of those things, and if and if I if I lured you in with those things. I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad that you saw those. This was the quote that you saw on Facebook or through the text. I want to read to you the fullness of this quote then in its context so you can understand where we're getting into Scripture this morning, okay? And as we do, we're going to look at the past blessing, the present blessing, and the future blessing that we receive through the the Trinity. And so, here's the fullness of this quote. In the original Greek, these 12 verses that we're going to look at in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14, in these 12 verses, uh, they constitute a single complex sentence of which my wife says I do all the time when I write things, right? So, in in my run-on sentences. But in the Greek, remember that as you read through this, we didn't have verse and chapter numbers. When Paul wrote this letter to the people in Ephesus, it was after this first greeting, and then he just explodes. what this uh, quote says. He neither pauses for breath nor punctuates with full stops. Commentators have searched for metaphors vivid enough to convey the impact of this out, uh, opening outburst of adoration. We enter this epistle through a magnificent gateway, writes Findlay. It is a golden chain of many links, or a kaleidoscope of dazzling lights and shifting colors, says William Hendrickson. Someone else likens it to a snowball tumbling down a hill, picking up volume as it descends. And E.K. Simpson says, less felicitous perhaps to some long-winded racehorse, carrying at full speed. More Romantic is John Mackey's musical simile where he says, This rhapsody, this rhapsodic adoration is comparable to the overture of an opera which continues the successful melodies that are to follow. Armitage Robinson, lastly, says, It's like the preliminary flight of an eagle rising and wheeling around as though for a while uncertain what direction, in its boundless freedom, it shall embark upon. And that brings us to the bottom of this quote. a gateway. So whether a gateway, a golden chain, a kaleidoscope, a snowball, a racehorse, or an operatic overture, or even the flight of an eagle, all these metaphors in their different ways describe the impression of color, movement, and grandeur which the sentence makes on the, reader, on the reader's mind. And that's why I've titled this sermon, The Trinitarian Blessing. I cannot exhaust this scripture this morning. So I want to encourage you again after service, when after you've eaten, stay with us for communion and for fellowship meal. After that, go home and continue to bathe. I feel like I keep cutting out. Is that the case? Where's my uh, handheld, Drew? Up there. All right. All right. Well, we'll do this instead. Even though I was going to draw on the screen, and since I've got the clicker and the mic and my pen, one of those things isn't going to happen. <clears throat> so we'll forego drawing on the screen, and you'll just have to imagine my marks. Okay. But the title of today's message, Trinitarian Blessing, The Inheritance of Every Spiritual Blessing. That is what Paul's talking about. So why are we here? Why do we worship? Why do we praise? Why are you going to leave this Sunday, I hope, feeling as if you have every rich and every blessing and everything that there is to offer? Well, it's because the text says so, and that's what we're going to look at. So without further ado with this kaleidoscope, racehorse, snowball, eagle, let's pray. Our dearest God and our Father in heaven as we have now gathered together to formally worship you, so we also have come together to formally hear your word. So we ask, let us be fed and encouraged in this section of Scripture. As it was penned by Paul, yet inspired by you for the edification of the saints, both in Ephesus, as well as us here today. So grant us open hearts that you may enter in as we sit under the public proclamation of your word. Deliver us, we pray, this very hour to a greater plane of worship, a greater plane of understanding, of joy, of peace, of love, and of conformity to your holy will, for you are worthy of all of that. as in the blessed name of our beloved Savior, Jesus Christ, we do pray this. Amen. So I want to begin by telling you a, a little bit of a story. Uh, on National Public Radio, there was an interview, and on that interview uh, they were talking about this this author who was going through a, a New York subway. Has, has anybody here been to New York City and rode the subway ever? Just a handful of you. Have any of you ever seen on a TV show or a movie the New York subway system and how busy it is down there? All of us, I, I hope, at that point, right? So you can imagine this, the busyness of this. And, and the author says there was this reasonably dressed man, who seemed to also be disturbed. And so this reasonably dressed man, who seemed to be disturbed, was walking through the crowd, pointing his finger, and then loudly proclaiming the words of choosing either you're in or you're out. And of course, everybody was taken aback by this, as this would be a very strange sight for any of us to see. And the author reports that as he was going through this busy subway station saw all these people, he began to feel anxious as this individual was walking forward through the crowd and would continue to point at people you're in or you're out exclaiming that very loudly and he began to feel anxious wondering him to himself which will he say and then it struck him that it was so ridiculous for him to feel this way like in and out of what what do i win what do i gain what do i lose why do i even care but he couldn't stop the feeling and so as you can imagine as this man continues to make his way through the crowd towards him his anxiety is building and is building he didn't seem to have any rhyme or reason. Black, white, rich, poor, male, female. He would just, and and, and, it would, and it would be random. It wasn't just you're in, you're out, you're in, you're out. Sometimes it'd be you're in, you're in, you're out, and then three more you're outs, and then you're in. And it seemed to have no rhyme or reason. And so his anxieties, he's continuing to hear this is building, and it's building until eventually the man comes to him, points his finger directly at his chest, and exclaims, "You're in." And a sense of euphoria, he reports, washes over him as he was one of the few, one of the chosen. And then it didn't take long for him to think back, why did I care? Why do I have such silly pride in something that seems so meaningless? Well, what we're going to talk about today is when God the Father Almighty, from eternity past to right now in this room to eternity future, with an outstretched hand, points at you, And I pray for you that he would say, you're in. What I'm talking about is first thing in this point of this section of scripture is the past blessing of election. Election is a term where we don't always understand because we think of it as what we do in America is go to the voting box and then vote for somebody. It's not exactly like that, but that's the term that we're going to use. We also think of it poorly because that means by definition, if some are in, then that means just like this man, some are out. And so as we look at God's word, I want to try to expose that to you in here. Ephesians 1, 3 through 6. Blessed be God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And from that verse, he goes on to describe why we ought to bless God, what blessings we have, and what all these spiritual blessings look like. And so he begins in verse 4 even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. I want you to pause there for a moment. I wish I could write on the screen so I could highlight these things for you, but but I'm going to do my best so you can follow along with me either on the screen or in your own copy of God's word. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Before God said, let there be light, he saw you. And I mean he saw all of you. I think it's easy for us in our American context and in our very individualistic society where if you were told somebody, hey, Jesus loves you, my response would often be, well, good, because I love me too, right? You've heard me say that probably before. But even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, he looked out and he saw all the garbage that you would do. I guess I don't need to sit here if I'm not going to be writing on my screen. So he chose us, but not only just us, randomly. What does it say in the text? He chose us in him, in Jesus. So before time, temporal time as we know, before he slung the stars into the sky, but it was just the Trinity. And by the way, I just want to share this with you. In this scripture, we are going to see evidence of the Trinity. The Bible, this might be news to you, I don't know. The Bible doesn't have the word Trinity in it. However, I believe that the Trinitarian belief in three persons one God is absolutely biblical we're going to see the proof of that in today's text and is a doctrine that must be believed I believe but I digress even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world but he chose us in Jesus for a purpose he didn't just choose us to leave us in our sin he didn't just choose us just so we could feel good about ourselves he didn't just choose us so that we could have you know the American dream of two and a half kids I don't know where the half comes from, but then, you know, the white picket fence and the the dog. But he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. Now again, remember in the text, this is just a run-on sentence. Paul does not stop for breath. He just continues to explode about the blessings that we have in Christ of all these spiritual blessings. And so the verse numbers aren't there either. You have to look past that. For our use, we'll split them based on the verses. But in love, he predestined us for adoption. So what was his reason for choosing us? Not because we were good. Not because we deserved it. Not because we were intelligent or beautiful or wealthy or righteous. Remember, this is before we were even created. This was in the midst of our sin and our depravity there's truths in the scripture that America, and maybe even you this morning, we're going to have difficulty dealing with. And what is the fact of this scripture that there are those who are elected to salvation and there are those who are are not? And we have to have dichotomy with that. So how much is God's choosing and how much is our own free will? Well, that is a mystery that I can't answer for you this morning. But I know this to be true based on this text and others like it. If you are a Christian at all, it is because God has chosen you, not because you have chosen Christ. John fifteen sixteen. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you, that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask in the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Or Romans 8, 29-30, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers, For those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. See, He chose us before there was any good in us. In fact, there is no good in us apart from salvation in Christ because it says that he chose us in him. And so we must be in Christ to even be chosen. And then that we should be holy and blamelessly he chose us to set us apart so we could be a heritage and a possession and a a sense of glory and a crown jewel to our God and our our king. And he did this in love, not because there was good in us, but just simply because he is good. He need not have any of us. He is perfect. uh, He's perfect. He's come perfect. He is is perfect and complete in his own nature. And yet, it says in the text, he adopted us as sons and daughters, of course. He made them male and female, right? But he adopted us. He brought us into his family. through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. And so his will is going to be done on earth just as it is in heaven. So we're supposed to pray for that, but that will be the case. One day, it says here, as we continue through and we see the present blessing and the future blessing that we're going to talk about through the Trinity here, we're going to see that all those things are going to find their culmination and their fruition one day. And that the purposes of God's will will not be thwarted and they cannot be thwarted. And all this, it says in verse 6, is to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the Beloved. Perhaps if you're old enough, you're familiar with a a singer-songwriter, Dan Fogelberg from 1970s, 1979, Dan. Fogelberg wrote this album, uh, The Phoenix, and this song that he wrote was longer, and the lyrics go like this, Longer than they have been fishes in the ocean, Higher than any bird ever flew, Longer than there's been stars in the heavens, I've been in love with you. That's why Jesus, that's why God, That's why the Trinity in all of its glory has predestined you to be a son or daughter and adopted you in. I hope you guys see it. There were so many times. I'm just not doing justice to this text. I'm sorry. I should hear way more amens than I'm hearing. And when I was in my office and I was studying this, there was times of weeping, joy, and laughter as I'm pouring over this text. And so I want that to be for you. So maybe maybe I need to change my uh, communication style to you. I I don't know. Uh, But here's a quote that I have for you from Warren Wisby. Does the sinner respond to God's grace against his own will? No. He responds because God's grace makes him willing to respond. The mystery of divine sovereignty and human responsibility will never be solved in this life. Both are taught in the Bible, both are true, and both are essential. God chose you before the foundation of the world. And he chose you not because we're good. He chose us because he loves us and because he wanted for us to be a shining. This is at the end of this. You can say amen, by the way. I'm, I'm pumping you up for this, okay? So, so uh, he chose us before there was any good because he loved us and he predestined us so that we could be his sons and his daughters, live with him forever and eternity, and while we're here on this earth, shine like stars that he flung into the heaven, which, by the way, pales in comparison to you. Do you know that? Because we are the end of the creation. Everything else was put there for us. Everything that he has ever done is because of us. Because we are the image bearers. And so it's in him, it says. In him, through him, before him, to him, eternity, past, present, and future. All of these things are based on God's love that he has for you. And so election, while sometimes in some people's minds, is a dirty word that makes it hard for them to swallow, I hope for you, Christian, it's a reason to bless. I hope for you, Christian, it's a reason to praise. Because I know my heart. And the fact is, if God had not chose me, I would not have chosen him. Yes, thank you. And so the first point of this section of Scripture, of which I have done a bad job exposing to you, and that's the last time I'll say it, don't worry, Elisa, is is that this is the past blessing of election, okay? The next thing I want to talk to you about is our present blessing of reclamation, that he has purchased us. Let me give you some uh, application for the first part. Firstly is this. Our election is not human speculation. It's not something a bunch of guys got in a room uh, as, and, and just decided that this was a doctrine. It's obviously, it's here in scripture, not only here, in other places. So you may struggle to understand this as I do, but you may not deny it and still hold true to biblical doctrine. The second application is this. Um, this call and this election to us Ought to be an in a, in a, in a incentive to holy obedience, not a a get out of hell free card or a what people refer to it as fire insurance. You may rest in Him is what I'm saying. You may rest in Him, but you may not presume on Him. Remember, He He elected you before any of these things and the script with well, a song that we sung for the kids today he he loves me even when i'm bad even though it makes him sad yes so therefore don't don't be bad don't make him sad because he loves you and then and then lastly this election that we have it ought not to make you haughty or think less of those around you instead it ought to bring you great humility because there's nothing good in you. It has to be in... Who did we get picked in? In us? Right? That's what scripture said. In us, he predestined us. No, no, no. In Christ. If it weren't for Christ, none of us would be able to... This was... So this is the present blessing of reclamation. He is still in the business of reclaiming that which is his. Does this make sense? So we ought to be humble, and it ought to alleviate our boasting. All right. pleasant uh, Present blessing of reclamation. I suppose it's it's pleasant as well. Uh, Ephesians 1, 7 through 12. So in him, who is this? It's Jesus. Read through this text on your own and count up how many times that Paul mentions in through to, and who's the who's the main party here? It's either, it's one of the three of the Trinity. See, we're given the Spirit to recognize and glorify the Son. What did the Son say when he was here? I have come to bring glory to the Father. And God exalts the Father, exalts the Son at his right hand so that he may have all glory in all heavens and all all the earth. And so in Christ we have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Listen, he has redeemed us, he has purchased you. First Peter 1, 18-19 Knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of the Lamb, without blemish or spot. And so there was a real purchase that had to happen. There was a real transfer that had to take place. It was not good enough for God to just choose you. You had to be paid for. And that only comes through the blood of Christ. And through that blood of Christ, he has given us remission. So there's a bunch of 50-cent church words here. Reclamation, you're being reclaimed, right? And then there's redemption, you're being purchased. And then there is remission, meaning your sins are then forgiven and washed away. And God's forgiveness is not like our forgiveness. <clears throat> Any married man can say, yeah, that's true, because I've asked for forgiveness, right? Psalm 103, 12. As far as the east is from the west, so does, so far does he remove your transgressions from us. The terminology that he has in here is that he will never even remember or look upon them ever again. Understand the gravity of this. This is the God who, by his own word, can say, let there be light, and then there's light. And let there be oceans, and there's oceans. Let there be fish, and there's fish. <coughs> this is the God who can, can make things out of nothing, And this is the same God who then, by his own will, decides, I will remember your sin no longer. Yeah. How many of you ever struggle with guilt? Yeah, right? If you're human. Let me ask you this. Don't raise your hand. I'll I'll raise mine for you. How many of you believe you're saved and yet you still struggle with past guilt? Memorize Ephesians. Memorize this section of Ephesians. Because what it's telling you is you were previously, before you came to him, you weren't worthy and so you're not worthy now. And yet he chose you anyway in Christ. And then now what he says is, because you're in Christ, I don't see your sin. I don't see your guilt. I don't see your dirt. You're fresh and you're clean every single day. Yeah. Yeah. And if you don't believe me, let's read the Bible. In him we have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of our trespasses. And it's not according to our trespasses. You know, I don't know about you, I don't like a lot of frosting on my cakes. Maybe you do. Maybe you love frosting on your cakes. I like just enough frosting, like just a nice thin layer of frosting. That's what I prefer. Is that how he gave us the riches of his grace? No. In verse 8 it says he lavished it upon us. And I can't understand this and neither can you, but it says that he lavished this upon us in our wisdom and insight. So that means that God gave grace to you more than your sin. So again, this is not a a license to sin as what I used to think it was before I truly became a Christian. This is what, what this is saying here is that you can never out sin God's grace, mercy, forgiveness in your life. And so if you ever battle with self doubt, I don't mean to scare you guys. But sometimes, even as the pastor of a church. Sometimes I struggle and doubt my own salvation. Which sometimes leads me into depression. And I've come to terms with still thinking, well, that's a good thing because that means my heart is tender and I still want and recognize the need of forgiveness. But it's a bad thing if I allow Satan to lie to me in the way that he does when I start to doubt my own salvation and I forget scriptures like this. Because if there was nothing good in me to begin with, then there's nothing good in me now. Ne- What's changed? The only thing that's changed is my my thoughts on the issue or my feeling. I just don't feel it anymore. But that doesn't mean that God has stopped loving me. In fact, what does his word say? He is the same yesterday and today and tomorrow, and he cannot change. What else does it say? He cannot lie, he does not fail. When he has purposed something, it comes to pass. And so the only thing that has changed is my futile minuscule human emotions that's it and so this is a glorious truth of our present lavishing upon us in all wisdom and insight making known to us the mystery of his will what is the mystery of his will that he would even save us and that through that he's going to he's going to reclaim all things not just you and i but the entire globe every single spider web will be made glorious in the end According to the purpose, uh, making known to the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ. (laughs) As a plan for the fullness of time. Again, to unite all things in him. In the back, you can click forward for me. As a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him. Things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance. Having been predestined, again, there it is. We've obtained an inheritance already. You know the scripture that talks about, you know, setting up for yourself a treasure in heaven where moth can't eat and rust can't destroy and thieves can't steal? Ephesians teaches us that that treasure is already There. Do you guys, uh, do you see the beauty in this text where it talks about he has blessed us in the beginning, he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Now, in this life, we fail to appreciate the value of that. Because I don't know about you, I still need clothes to wear, still need a roof over my head, I still need physical blessings too. And and God, Jesus, Paul, they're not minimizing those things, but in the scheme of eternity, with this small little blip of a vapor I would rather have every spiritual blessing than have the biggest mansion the juiciest steak the fastest sports car but it says here that in the fullness of time and in Christ before the foundation of the world you have been predestined to share in the inheritance of Christ those riches that glory what is that like emoji right just spend the rest of today reading through this section and like an old fashioned well drawing up fresh upon fresh upon fresh water to minister to your hearts In him we have obtained this inheritance and be predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will so that we who are the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. Again, this is to the praise of his glory. This is why we gather together to praise him. And so two applications before we move on. Sonship, daughtership, imputes, privileges. Privileges meaning the moment that we believed, the moment that we believed. I didn't say the moment you were baptized. I didn't say the moment that you came up front. I didn't say the moment that you, you know, sat around the fire at camp or whatever your your story is. The moment that you believed, you entered into this inheritance and you were given all the privilege of a son or daughter of Christ. We sang about it, same power. So my question, do you believe that? Well, you say yes. You're all nodding. But we need to be reminded, don't we? Because I believe it too, but I need to be reminded when the bills are coming due. I'm just using illustrations. You guys take care of me. Fine, don't start talking after this. Oh, pastor needs to raise. That's not what I'm saying, okay? I'm just relating. But when my son or my daughter does something, I have to be reminded of this, that he's going to use all things to his good and to his will and for his glory, and I can praise God through it or for my spouse, who's not here, so now I can talk about it, right? Just kidding. But sonship that imputes all these privileges also implies responsibility. Again, if we are in Christ, uh, we, we can claim our rights as the co-heir with him, but we may not claim our rights without also accepting these responsibilities. You are the hands and feet of Christ. That is your present purpose. this quote for you. God didn't choose to be our foster parent. We don't get kicked out of the family because of our behavior. We don't have to worry day to day whether or not we're going to be good enough to be part of the family. In his infinite kindness, God made us a permanent party of his family. Nothing can undo the legal procedure that binds me to Christ. But we have a saying in my family. If you ask Asher, he'll tell you. So if you join us for communion afterwards and you're eating, you can can ask Asher, ask him, say, what does it mean to be a gruss? And he'll tell you. And the reason he knows is because I've instilled that in him. So what does it mean to be a Christian? Because it means to live like Christ. And so lastly, our future blessing of unification future blessing of unification now now in this text we're going to look at we're going to see all three of them we've seen the father the father chooses you the son redeemed you and we'll see here that the holy spirit is the one who preserves or seals you for the future day of unification in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, the moment that you heard this and believed in him, and he has to put these two together, you can't just come to church and hear sermons every single Sunday and think that you're saved. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't matter how much you give. It doesn't matter how often you come. It doesn't matter where you went to school. You went to a Christian high school or something or graduated with honors from Bible college. None of that matters. It doesn't matter how much scripture you memorize. None of that matters. It says, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him. You have to believe in Christ. It's Christ or nothing. Through this whole section, it keeps going back to Jesus, in him, to him, through him. When you believed in him, you were sealed by the promised Holy Spirit at the moment you believed. And this may offend you if you come out of the tradition that says, well, you can believe in Jesus, but then you also need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Brother, sister, listen. According to this text, and I'm open for you to show me others, according to this text, it says, as soon as you believed, you were sealed by the promise of the Holy Spirit. Now we can talk about what that means to continuously be filled by and obedient to. But the moment you believed, you were sealed by this promise of this Holy Spirit. You did nothing to earn it. He chose you, he redeems you, and then he gives you this Holy Spirit as a guarantee of your inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory in the text this is the same idea of giving a woman an engagement ring the engagement ring is the promise because we understand that we don't understand the greek and the, and the hebrew and all that kind of stuff right we understand engagement rings when you give them that you're telling them hey i promise that i'm going to follow through with this i promise that you're going to be mine i uh I like this quote, so I want to make sure I have time to read this to you. The seal of the Holy Spirit also serves as a deposit or a down payment, providing a guarantee of more to come. It is the initial installment of a believer's future inheritance. This initial installment of the Holy Spirit is a little bit of heaven in the believer's lives with a guarantee of much more yet to come. I love that. It's an initial installment of the Holy Spirit as a little bit of heaven in the believer's lives with the guarantee of much more yet to come to come. Amen and amen. The Holy Spirit gives us insight into the things of God. It deepens our affections with God. It empowers us to live for God. It reveals to us the plans and the will of God. 1 Corinthians, the natural person does not accept the things that are of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. And if you have the Spirit, then Romans says, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. This is a beloved truth that we are in the Trinity blessed with every spiritual blessing. Meaning there is absolutely nothing more that God can possibly give you than what you have already received in Christ Jesus. Now as we live out our lives, that might look differently to all of us. And, and I hope if I'm stepping on your toes this morning and you're saying something to me like, okay, if that's true, Pastor, then why does so-and-so die? Or why do I have cancer? Or why is this? Or why is that? Or why did this happen to me? Or why is that? Listen, brother or sister, I, 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 I can't answer all those questions to you. How come Joseph went to prison and got charged falsely for rape that he didn't commit? How come Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had to get thrown into the fiery furnace? How come Moses was stuck with a people who were hard-headed when he was being faithful? I, I I don't know. But what I can tell you is that according to this scripture, both in the past, in the present, and in the future to come, we are blessed beyond measure. And it is all from, through, and to Christ Jesus. And so, lastly, I want to talk to you about the scope of this Trinitarian blessing. We've talked about it being past and present and future. So very quickly, I just want to share with you the scope of this Trinitarian blessing. is It is active, it is powerful, and it is eternal, eternal. And so if you don't feel it, just understand that it is there. It is working. It is powerful because it has to be because God has proclaimed it. And it is eternal because, as that text just said, that's just a little bit of heaven with a down payment for that which is to be future. And so as I have said before, I encourage you to look this over more and more. And the reason I encourage you to do that is one more quote from a man named John Stott, which is this. As we've read through this text, he says, At this point, it may be wise to pause a moment and consider how much all of us need to develop Paul's broad perspective. Let me remind you that he was a prisoner in Rome. Not indeed a cell or a dungeon, but still under house arrest, handcuffed to a Roman soldier. Yet, though his wrist was chained and his body was confined, his heart and his mind inhabited eternity. He he, he peered back before the foundation of the world and onto the fullness of time and grasped a hold of what we have now and ought to be now especially in light of those two eternities. As for us, how blinkered is our vision in comparison with this? How small is our mind? How narrow are our horizons? Easily and naturally we slip into the preoccupation with our own petty little affairs. But we need to see time in the large of light of eternity and our present privileges and obligations in the light of our past election, our future perfection. And then then here it is. I hope you're ready to sing in just a minute because he says, and I would agree, when we do this, if we do this, when we meditate on the truths of this scripture, we will share the apostle's perspective and we will share his praise. For these doctrines have to lead to doxology as well as to duty. Our entire lives would become worship and we would bless God constantly for having being blessed by him so richly in Christ. And so I'll end with how it began, as Paul began to, blessed, be God the Father. And we should praise him. Let's praise him now, but join with me in prayer.